0: and welcome Children and teens. Yep, it starts from the very, very youngest of ages and we take it all the way straight through. I'm Claudia. I've been teaching Mediterranean cooking classes for years now and I love to share authentic, age-old family recipes that have been handed down through the generations to ensure a healthier palate and lifestyle for our children. So for anyone who enters my kitchen, you are welcome. We love to sit, we love to cook, and we love to eat together. So it is my sincere goal that we raise a healthier generation than those before us. Today we're talking about legumes. I know it does not sound that cool. I promise we're going to try to make it sound as great as possible. But we're going to learn what exactly is a legume, why we should be eating them, how to prepare them. And we're also going to to talk about beans. Like what is the difference between a bean and a legume? Are they not the same thing? Well, close really close. I used to think so, but they are slightly different. So we're going to start off about what's the difference between legumes, the definition of a bean, how we can put them together, and then how can we prepare them so that our kids actually eat them. All right, so let's start off from the very top. What is a legume? It's a broad category. They are part of the, and I'm going to hope I'm saying this properly, it's the leguminose family. So it comes from the French word legume is French, but it comes from the leguminose family. They are the seeds inside of the vegetable pod. And when we eat the seeds, those are the foods that that we eat, the seeds inside of those those vegetables. So when both the seed and the pod is consumed like with green peas or maybe even snow peas, think about it. There's little peas in there and then the outer shell that legume is considered to be a vegetable. Under the legume umbrella, that's where we have our beans. That's where we have our lentils, our peas, and even our peanuts. Peanuts is this weird one. I'm going to just do that as a quick caveat real quick. They are actually a legume as well, but they are considered For many of us, when we talk about nut allergies, they're considered a nut. Actually, they're not. They are a legume. And so, for many people who have tree nut allergies, like my son, he cannot eat, he can actually eat almonds, which is kind of weird, but he's not supposed to be eating his tree nuts, his walnuts, his hazelnuts, his pistachios, because they come from a tree. But He can eat peanuts. So it's the same for those people who have a peanut allergy. Oftentimes, they can eat the almonds, hazelnuts, and walnuts, but they can't eat the peanuts. So they are considered a tree nut versus a legume and uh, different allergies for both of them. So that's just the kind of side note about peanuts. But when we go back to our beans, they are as I said, part of the legume umbrella. So beans are usually round. They have oval or kidney shaped such as those red kidney beans that we love to eat when they're cooked in our chili. Lentils are kind of disc or lens shaped. They come in a lot of different colors and flavors. They come in yellow, brown, green, and beyond. And when they are cooked, they take on a different consistency. And finally, peas. They have a like a spherical or round shape, they're considered to be a vegetable. So have you guys have eaten green peas many times in your lives, I'm sure. Um, But because they're green, people think they're a veggie. They're not. They are kind of tricking you. They are actually beans as well. So green peas are are beans. It's only when they're cooked in their entire pod. Think of like a, a string bean. That's when they're considered a vegetable. So you got the whole pod, or you can pull open those pods uh, and grab the beans. As a side note, who here has ever had to shell your beans, fresh beans from the farmer's market or from a grocer or whatnot? You had to uh, ever shell the beans? I've had to. Man, what a process. So I usually, in when I used to live, On the island of Cyprus, we'd go to the farmer's market every week, and that would be what we'd eat, like the vegetables that we eat fresh for the week. And I'd always buy like a kilo, a couple pounds of beans when they were in season, but they'd come in the shell. And so I would make the kids, we'd sit around the table, and we'd open up the beans one by one. Great way to keep them occupied for about 20 to 30 minutes if they would sit that long. And usually I'd have to do it, and then you'd eat it you know, some of the fresh beans. So it's a it's a good way for the kids to kind of get more involved and eat when they prepare something. And I absolutely love to bring the kids into the kitchen with us so that they get to learn hands-on experience how to cook. And these recipes that I'm going to share with you later on in today's episode are great ones that the kids can join in the kitchen for. Remember, for me, cooking is important as mathematics and English and all the other lessons we're learning in school because, well, we're going to eat for the rest of our lives, hopefully, every single day. So might as well give them the tools to succeed in the home as well as in the workforce. All right, so legumes, they are considered to be a superfood, whatever superfood actually means. I don't know who came up with that terminology, but they're basically really good for you. And why are they good for you? Basically, they are one of the most nutritious food items ever to be existed. They're really low in fat. They have virtually no cholesterol. They have high fiber content. They are high in folate, iron, potassium, magnesium, and... Protein. So for centuries, they were considered to be the poor man's choice of protein because eating animal proteins were left to the wealthy. Only in recent years, probably the last couple decades, have we decided to return to the humble bean for all of its health properties. As I said, they've got the magnesium and the folate, and some of them actually have some calcium in them, but they are high in complex carbs very high in protein. So it's the combination of protein complex carbs that leaves us feeling fuller for longer. They help stabilize our blood sugar levels after we've consumed them. So they are an important staple in the Mediterranean diet. And I want to see them returned to the American or Western table. All right, there are virtually hundreds of different types and kinds of dried beans out there. And why did I say dried? Because when we go to the grocery store now, it's hard to find beans in the pod, as I did in the farmer's market while living in Cyprus. Nowadays, most of the times, if we're going to get our beans, it's either going to be dried or canned. And we're going to talk about the difference between dried and canned. Um... But you don't typically get the fresh ones in the pod anymore. So some some favorite dried beans that you can find virtually at any grocery store are navy beans, lima beans. My personal favorite are chickpeas or garbanzo beans. Yeah, they're the same thing, garbanzo or chickpeas. Um, kidney beans, as we mentioned earlier, those little red ones that are oftentimes in our chili. We got the pinto beans that are kind of colorful. Uh, They are white and brown. The cranberry beans, which are whitish or creamish and red, they have that cranberry tone to it. Black beans also found in our, you know, Mexican food, as well as in our chili. We've got soybeans or edamames, which have become a favorite in a lot of Japanese restaurants, and many of us are finding them in the grocers fresh or frozen. And then the fava bean or broad beans, as they say in Europe, they are the larger ones that are white. They are very meaty in consistency. They have high protein content. And if you want a a larger bean, these are a great one to go for. So we're going to talk a little bit about some of the beans that are my favorite ones and then how to prepare them. So One thing that I want to bring up is that many beans help fight cholesterol, much like oats and oatmeal. So if you are struggling or someone you know or love in your family is struggling to lower your cholesterol, consider trying to add more beans to your diet. In fact, there was a study that examined food intake patterns and risk of death from coronary heart disease. Researchers followed more than 16,000 middle-aged men across the U.S., Finland, the Netherlands, Italy, Greece, and Japan for more than 25 years. Typical food patterns were higher consumption of dairy products in Northern Europe, higher consumption of meat and meat products in the United States, higher consumption of vegetable, legumes, fish, and wine in Southern Europe, and higher consumption of cereals, soy products, and fish in Japan. When researchers analyzed this data in relation to the risk of death from heart disease, they found that legumes were associated with an 82% reduction in heart disease risk. So again, it is that cholesterol-fighting properties of of our beans that help lower your risk of heart disease. So I would definitely consider making this a staple in your family's diet a couple times a week. So now that we know that the humble bean, they are full of protein, they got the folate, they got magnesium, complex carbs, they lower your cholesterol. They are considered an overall superfood. Let's work on some recipes so that we can actually know how to cook them, know how to prepare them. I'll share with you three of my family's favorites today. So I mentioned earlier that in the grocery store we can rarely find, and prove me wrong guys, unless it's like green peas um, or green string beans, we can't really find the peas that are fresh like the the chickpeas the black beans the broad beans that are fresh in the pod anymore if you can drop me a note I'd love to find out where you're shopping because I really would love to to do this again so oftentimes we're stuck with either the canned or the dried beans now can they're great um in that they're quick. They're already cooked before you. Uh, They're sitting in some sort of liquid to preserve them a little bit longer. And I won't lie, I've got a couple of cans of chickpeas in my pantry as we speak. And I use them if I'm really in a rush or in a jiffy. So if I want to make a quick hummus, I might grab it. I love to add chickpeas or garbanzo beans on top of a salad. And if I haven't prepared my dried beans i'll grab some uh a can uh, open it up and add it to my salad so this is how if you're going to get the canned kind totally fine i don't give it a good rinse so it's sitting in that preservative of water and sodium so it's got higher salt content than if you'd just gotten the dried kind so make sure that when you're about to open that can throw it in a colander and give it a good rinse before you use it in any of your recipes But if you want to kind of go back to the old fashioned way, which is one of the things that I love to prepare is uh, and to talk about is kind of doing it the more natural way. So go ahead and get your dried beans, whatever beans they are, whether it's the dried black beans, the garbanzo beans, the navy beans, whichever form, the cranberry beans, whatever it is, we need to rehydrate them. So it's thinking ahead. Okay. So I have to admit the Mediterranean diet is a little bit, it's a quick food and it's great and it's healthy. But sometimes if you're trying to prepare with some of the bean recipes, you might need to think ahead. So rehydration is needed for that. What you need to do for rehydration is basically throw your beans in a bowl. And how many beans do you need per person? Think of a handful, a handful of dried beans for an adult person. I'll throw for my family of five, I'll throw about half, a, half of a 16 ounce bag I'll throw half of it or if I just want to prepare extra I'll do a whole 16 ounce bag throw it in a big bowl add water to fill it so it covers all the beans and then some you know a few inches above the top of the rim of the beans is what you want and let it sit on your counter overnight then by the next morning you'll get the fresh, the beans have rehydrated to its full size. They're all plump again, but they are not ready to be consumed. They're just rehydrated. So that's a different concept, and a lot of people forget that. They're just rehydrated at this point. So they've gotten the water, they're not dried out in the sun or whatever process they've been to dry them out so that they can be shipped across the world. We've gotten them rehydrated by just putting them in water again. We now need to cook them. By the way, if you have not thought in advance going, oh my gosh, I forgot that I wanted to make hummus today and I wanted to use the beans, the dried garbanzo beans that are in the back of your pantry, but you've forgotten to rehydrate the beans, not a problem, get a a nice thick bowl, ceramic or whatnot, put your beans in there and boil some water. Boil the water and then add it on top of your beans dried beans and let it sit for about 30 minutes to an hour. They will plump up super fast. But again, they're plump. They're ready to be cooked. They are not fully cooked. So then you just put them on the burner. So rinse some of that water that's been sitting overnight. Throw it back into a colander. Rinse it out. And then take your beans, put them in a pot. Again, cover it with more water and bring them to a boil and allow them to simmer for about 30 minutes. That's pretty much for any of your normal normal beans. Quick caveat, lentils are the only beans, to my knowledge, that do not need to be rehydrated. And that's just because of the size of them. Those teeny tiny little yellow, green, black, uh, or brown lentils are just so small that they cook super fast in about 20 to 30 minutes without needing to be rehydrated. Now that you have rehydrated your beans, you've cooked them, you know, by boiling them in water and then bringing them down to a low simmer for 30 minutes – they are ready to be used. You rinse them yet again, throw them in a colander, and now we're going to talk about some simple recipes that I absolutely love. I know it sounds like a lot of steps, but I promise it it's steps that you don't really have to do anything. Adding water, leaving them to to hydrate over by the sink for overnight. Does that really, doesn't take much time. And then cooking them for about 20 minutes, all you got to do is watch it, make sure it doesn't boil over and then bring it to a simmer. And then that's it. Okay. So one of my favorites that my family consumes are, is a simple red lentil soup. I teach this in my cooking class and everybody loves it. It is the simplest, creamiest vegan recipe you've ever had. Grab some simple some small red or yellow lentils. They could be the split kind or the regular. It doesn't matter. Take a nice pot, get a yellow onion or a Vidalia onion either to work, and then saute those onions in some a good amount of olive oil at the base until they're about caramelized, okay? Not too brown. You want them just kind of translucent and caramel uh, colored. Then once they are... Go ahead and take your rinsed lentils. I like to rinse all of my beans or lentils before I use them. Uh, Take, and again, how much lentils? It's about a a small handful per person. Take your lentils and then add them to the onions. Give them a quick stir with the olive oil, saute them, and then add water. We're going to add a cup of water per person. So four persons, four cups of water. I like to throw in a carrot at this point a chopped up carrot and a little bit of salt that is it and then i'll bring it to a boil allow it to not boil over but just bring it to a boil and then bring it to a simmer lower it down cook it for about 20 minutes after it's done cooking for 20 minutes and how will you know it's done because the the lentils will be very mushy at the bottom. You can stir it with a spoon, a wooden or spoon, and, and see that it has mushed up. And same with your onions. Then you'll take it and throw it in a blender, or I have a little hand blender, and I just blend it up. I squeeze half a lemon in there. And I promise you, it becomes this very creamy consistency, although it is completely vegan. It is the red lentils with the onions and the carrots that have all been cooked down adding a bit of lemon juice, it makes a pop. And all you've added is lemon and salt. And that is all you'll need in this wonderful soup. And this, my friends, this red lentil soup is the base of my kids' dinner, my family's dinner, once or twice a week throughout the winter time it is how we start our meals at night because i want to give my kids something warm some protein and i love it it's uh it's a great way to fill their bellies and think about it how many calories in there but it's got our complex carbs it's got our proteins it's just really good for you so try it that red lentil soup let me know how you like it you'll you'll be surprised at how creamy it is i think My other favorite recipe for my kids as well, they adore it, are the falafels. Now, I have to admit, falafels, I use this in replace of burgers uh, in the summertime typically. And that is, they're in Arabic, they're either falafel, as you guys know, or tamaya, that's the Egyptian Arabic version of the same one. And it's using chickpeas or Broad beans or fava beans. So, falafel, they are traditionally an Arab food. The word falafel may have been from the plural of filafil, which means it's like a filfil, fil. it's a pepper that needs to be uh, filled. So, these fried vegetable patties have become super popular around the world, in the West, in the East. They are oftentimes served in sandwiches as a meat substitute. We'll find them in our pita bread with a bit of lettuce, tomatoes. I like throwing a tzatziki salad over top of it. More on the tzatziki on another episode that you can learn to make super simple on your own. Or some people like to throw some drizzled tahini. Tahini is a sesame paste over top of it. All very, very good um, additions to just kind of flavor our little uh, falafel sandwiches. So if you want a quick sandwich to hit the road, falafels are just my favorite. All right, they're great all over Israel. They're all over the Middle East. I mean, honestly, they really are. My favorite way is to make a falafel pita. Start with a layer of hummus. Then inside the pita, add some falafel, some lettuce, some tomatoes, some pickles. They are just wonderful, and they are going to be your next favorite meal for your kids. So what you're going to need... For a falafel, you're going to need a pound of dried chickpeas or garbanzo beans. you got to start with the dry stuff, not the canned stuff. I'm so sorry. It doesn't work as well with the canned. It loses its flavor. It gets too sloppy and wet. It's not a good substitute, not for falafels. You need a small onion. You need some fresh parsley. You need lots of garlic, about three to five cloves. You need a bit of salt some cumin, some ground coriander, a little bit of black pepper, a little pinch of cayenne pepper, and in some vegetable oil for frying. Yes, you do need to fry these little bad boys. You can also use sunflower oil, avocado oil, canola oil, peanut oils, they all work really well. I wouldn't try the uh, olive oils as much as I love olive oil, you're going to be using a lot of it and it doesn't need to you don't need to spend the money for that. Just use a little bit of vegetable oil. So again, we're going to take our chickpeas and just rehydrate them. That's the first step pretty much for any bean recipe minus the lentils. Pour them into a big bowl, add about some cold water, let them soak overnight, about three inches above the top or two inches above the top. Let them soak over the night. They'll double in size as they soak, and uh, you'll have a lot of chickpeas by the end. Then you're going to drain and rinse the garbanzo beans pretty well. Pour them into a food processor or a blender. Add alongside it chopped garlic, your chopped onions, the parsley, a little bit of flour if you need to. Then you add your seasonings, your salt, your cumin, your ground coriander, everything. So basically you're just adding everything to a food processor and letting it whirl. Pulse it together until it becomes a rough course. You don't want it too liquidy. You want it kind of coarse and mealy in your hands because then you're going to take this taste, which is kind of the texture of couscous, if you're familiar with dried couscous, you want to hold it together and they should be able to stick together like a meatball. They have to be able to stick together. You don't want to overprocess them. You don't want to like whirl them into oblivion. You don't want to turning into a hummus consistency because they have to hold its shape. So you're kind of like buzzing it on the food processor. Okay, I hope that makes sense. One, the, once the mixture has, you know, gotten to its desired consistency, take it out into a bowl and use a fork to kind of like stir it all up. The little trick that I learned, throw it in the fridge for about an hour just to kind of let it cool. Or if you're in a rush, throw it in the freezer for about 20 to 30 minutes. Some people like to add a little baking soda to kind of fluff, and fluff up this recipe. I don't really need to, uh, but just know that you need to throw it in the fridge or freezer just for a little bit to kind of cool off from all that processing. Go ahead and grab yourself a nice skillet. Get some vegetable oil about an inch deep to cover the base of it. Uh, As I said, I use canola oil, vegetable oil, something along those that have a high smoke point. I really don't go for the olive oil for this one. And then make a little falafel. You're trying to make little discs in your hand, little round meatball-shaped falafels. And then put it in your fryer once it's pretty hot. Keep it on for a couple of minutes. Flip them over and cook for another minute to two minutes per side. That's it. Throw it on a paper plate or not a paper plate. Throw it on a plate with some paper towels to kind of remove that excess oils. And you've gotten yourself a fabulous falafel. Enjoy it. So remember what we're going to know. I'm going to have the recipes but inside my, my website as well. But you're going to need to season up the chickpeas and we do it with salt we do it with cumin coriander black pepper a little dash of cayenne pepper we're adding onions garlic and parsley fresh parsley and that my friends with the chickpeas is exactly how you make a falafel they are delicious they will become one of your family favorites i hope and they are super easy. They just takes a couple steps. I wouldn't necessarily have the children uh, remember how I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, have the kids in the, the kitchen with me? They can make the little discs and they can help with all of the preparation. But maybe when it when we're turning on the fryer, get the kids out of the kitchen. This is a job for adults only. But I hope that your little children will love it. Throw it in some whole wheat pita, add some slices of tomatoes, some lettuce some tzatziki or tahini, and uh, maybe even some pickles. That's how I like them. My friends, that is how we introduce the Mediterranean palate to our kids. Please try to get more beans, legumes into your family's diet. They are chock full of protein. They are full of magnesium, folate, iron. They are complex carbs, and they help reduce cholesterol. There is no reason that you can't introduce the Mediterranean legumes or the legumes into your diet for a healthier version for your family. And again, that soup that I told you about earlier is a fabulous way to introduce red lentils to your family's diet multiple times a week throughout the winter. I love it and it's a quick recipe. What is also super fun is that these falafels as well as that red lentil soup are great for the next day. So if you make too much, inter- like just in- keep enjoying it. Keep eating it the next day. In fact, I think it tastes better even the second day. And I like to give it to my kids at school. They actually think it's pretty cool. It turns into like a little green burger for their kids and the friends all go, what is that? And then the kids can say, mom made me falafel or I made falafel last night. All right, not that that's necessarily the cool points, but that is the point. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. If you did like today's podcast, I ask you to subscribe, share with a friend, some other parents or caregivers that love to introduce the Mediterranean palate to their little ones, but not sure necessarily where to start. Please go ahead and subscribe and join above. I am thankful that you guys joined me this morning on the Mediterranean for Kids podcast. Tune in every week where we learn to share tips and tricks for introducing the Mediterranean palette to your little ones. Have a great day, guys, and drop me a note. I love to hear from you. Bye.